this is the All Walks of Art podcast, a lounge-like pub-style drinking show for creatives and artists from all walks of life. Find a comfy chair, pour your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. Paul and I are back at it. How you doing, Paul? Oh, I'm great. <laughs> oh, I know. You you brought a nice little thing today. Yeah. Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. It's such a cute little bottle. It's a tiny little thing. 45.2%, 90.4 proof. Whatever all that means. 375 milliliter bottle, so it's like the size of a Coke. <laughs> so it's perfect for on the go. Right. You know? <laughs> or for a drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we are the drink of choice for the day. It's Hop Juju. I'm not sure if we've had this before. I don't think so. I don't recognize um, this if we If we did, I don't care. It's be terrible. Because I love this. This is my favorite. My friend Justin at work, he loves this. Uh, Your friend or, Justin? Or Jason. Jason, sorry. Jason works night shift. Uh, we both talk about Hop Juju a lot. It's an India Pale Ale from the folks at Fatheads in Cleveland. Remember our day in Cleveland? I do. I had well, some of this I there. remember a lot better than you do, <laughs> this, sure. Yeah. This is the stuff we, well, the stuff I had when when the uh, awesome crowd we had decided that it would be cool to buy me some alcohol. This is awful. <laughs> it's not awful. It tastes like a pine cone. <laughs> no, no, it's imperial. So be careful there. It's got a lot in it. Oh, God. It's, uh, why me? 9%. Alcohol by volume and 100 bitterness units, so it's designed to be bitter. But oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it it's good pretty stuff. much tastes like someone you know used a pine cone to filter piss. Mm. And now mm-hmm. I'm drinking it. Not a fan. I love it. Actually, it goes really well with the Woodward Reserve. Oh God, that's just terrible. So before okay. we get too much into yeah. it, first thing I want to do is I want to I want to uh, just thank all of our listeners. Thank you. Um, I know we took about a month off. Uh, it was, it was important. I was really busy with some other stuff. I know that doesn't make it right. And this will kind of play into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, but you know, I had some commissions I had to handle. I still have quite a few to do. Uh, I was getting a little burned out on all this, everything, just everything. I was in the studio as much as I was at my regular job and, uh, it was, it was starting to take its toll. And then of course, all the snow, the ice, the, the, Everything you went out of town for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I got sick. I had a a really bad thing going. Uh, I had a sore throat for eight days. Wow, uh, painful sore throat. Uh, and if anybody gets that uh, virus where it it gives you a sore throat for eight days, do not drink um, orange juice. It's oh, painful. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it just seemed like a like oh man, a glass of orange juice for breakfast sounds really good right now. And I took a swig and it hurt so bad. It was like somebody cut my throat open, and I had paper cuts in my mouth and all the way down my throat. Yeah, it's acidic. I don't know if you're yeah, familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, I am, but it sounded good, right? Yeah. So, you know, I spit it out throughout the rest of it. But it's good to take some time off once in a while. Yeah. From now on, when, when we, you know, we we should take some, you know, week off here or there, and then we'll feature an old episode. Like, it's like a rerun. Mm-hmm. An old rerun. Yeah, it could an be An old like episode. A, that's actually worth, not a bad idea. Worth looking at. Look at a second look. Yeah, yeah, that's what we should do. Take clips out of it, and I can comment on it. Well, we could do that too. Yeah, and just kind of, you know, what was I thinking? My mind has changed since this episode. You know, oh, that's something good like that. Too, yeah, that's because uh, you know, we, change is good. Change is really good. Yeah. Well, new information comes out every day. Yeah. And if you don't, if you can't be, uh, if you can't accept and be, and embrace new information, then how can you? Yeah. Grow? Yeah. And I'm I'm also still visiting the idea of not really preparing these shows, you know, not putting out a topic, not 
laying it all out on notes and thing. In fact, I'm reading old notes here for the the start of the show just to get us in the right format and the right, you know, whatever. What is the topic, I wonder? Is there a topic? There, There is sort of a topic. It, it has to do with efficiencies, you know, basically being your, I think, let me, let me set this up because it makes more sense. I think most of the people listening to the show are, are probably working another job. They, they probably have a lot of other responsibilities other than just being creative, you know, and it might even be something that they like to do on the side, maybe a hobby, you know, all these things. They just enjoy listening to the show and having a drink with us. And that's really why you're here, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's one of the things where I think we, I personally, this is, again, this is me looking at myself. I tend to spend a lot more time in the studio than I need to. I get in here, I get distracted. There's a lot of things in my tiny little 110 square foot space that will occupy my time. You know, the computer is sitting here. The iPad is sitting here. My phone is always on me. Uh, there's cigars over on a shelf. I've got all my booze in here. So it's easy for me to say, well, let's just go out and take a break, smoke a cigar. And that, that'll eat up an hour, right? Everything has to be packed up and put away, you know, for the different things. Like when I do these podcasts with you, it's get this stuff out, hook it up, get started on it. When you're, when you leave, I take it all apart, put it back to the, just the regular studio space, office kind of setup. When I paint, things get changed. It's crazy, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of inefficiencies, mainly due to the space, but there's also a lot of inefficiencies due to my lack of focus. And I think for a lot of other artists listening to the show, or a lot of creatives listening to the show, I think we can start looking at our options when it comes to what are we really doing? You know, when you go into the studio, what kind of rules do you have? And I never really had any rules before, but over the last couple of weeks, trying to get things done, I really come up with the idea that when I, when I shut the door for the studio, no social media. At all. It's, it's, it's a willpower thing. I know because it's easy to pop on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or any of these other things and, and you start losing your valuable time yeah. that you've given yourself. You know, I, I know that I really only have about two to three hours of valuable time in the week per day to do art stuff, right? Because when I come home from work, I get home about 1230 a.m. That time in the morning, I really don't want to work anymore. I've already, I worked during the day before I went to work and then I went to work and then I come home and it's like, God, I don't want to work anymore. I'm tired of working. And honestly, Netflix comes on and I just sit there and grab a beer and get ready for bed and go to bed around three and do it again the next. Well, yeah, it's wind down you know, time. It is, but it's also, I should be working. That's in my mind. I'm thinking, should? yeah. Should I thought yeah, we were staying away from it. I, I do like to stay away from it. That's why I'm making a judgment call and saying should, you know, cause I'm, I'm being judgment on my, I'm putting a lot of judgment on myself to say, uh, but there's, I only have one life to live. I got to get all these art pieces done before I die and blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know. That's where you start You're never going to get yourself. everything that you want to do done. It's just never going to happen. Right. Ever. Right. But you can be more efficient at it. You can, but that doesn't mean that you should be doing that after already doing that before work, then you have your day job or your mm-hmm. night job, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you come home and do it again. Now you're starting to make that other job again. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, if there was ever a running theme throughout this podcast and what it's about, I mean, it's that it's, it's trying, it's the balancing act. Mm-hmm. And I don't think 
you know, sometimes when you bring out this, you know, the, the anti should thing, you know, I laugh <laughs> at you a lot of times, but this is one where, you know, you really, you need to look at that. You should, you're sitting here thinking I should No, you've already expended energy and you've also expended a lot of, uh, a lot of valuable, a lot of valuable mental energy dealing with other human beings for eight to 10 hours. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, there is no should. You can't just necessarily come home and, and, uh, start working on something creative. You're, you've got to replenish that. It's a, it's a well. And sometimes you got to wait for the rain to hit to let that water filter down. Yeah, absolutely. So you can draw from it. So. Absolutely. And, and I, I found that where I might've been spending, uh, five hours a day on average through the week in here. Uh, and then on the weekend I'd come out with, uh, you know, I would, I would literally from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed, a lot of times just be in the studio, but nothing really, I didn't produce enough. I didn't feel like I was like really making a lot. So it was easy for me to go, wow, we're, how'd I spend 35 to 45 hours in the studio last week and get nothing done? Yeah. You know, I'm going to sound like a whiner here for a second, but editing these podcasts, you know, preparing these podcasts, setting up for the podcast, all of that together was taking me on average five hours each week that we did it. I was five hours away from painting and my mind was set that I was ready to be done. I was like, okay, I I can't do this anymore because there's artwork that's suffering because we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of folks probably think, well, after you get done recording, why don't you just paint? Because you've already, you know, you've gotten your mind set on art. Well, it's a different, it's a different mindset when we do these podcasts. And quite frankly, at the end of the show, I've had too much to drink to paint anything, you know? <laughs> so it's, well, it's not going that? to happen. Well, I enjoy this though. Right. You know, it's, it's fun. It's just, it, it becomes one of them things where you, where you realize you just, you're not planning properly. So you know, I wish I read the whole book already. I haven't yet. Uh, but the the book I want to mention here in the show is The Art of Doing Less, One Entrepreneur's Formula for a Beautiful Life. Uh, it's written by Ari Mizell, and uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's a, it's a fantastic book. I'm about halfway through it, and I'm amazed at all the things. He's, uh, he had Crohn's disease, um, and it, it hit him hard. He was he was working way too many hours, not spending time with his family and just not really getting anywhere. And in this book, he talks a little bit about, um, actually he talks a lot about your peak performance hour. You know, there's an hour of your day where you're just, you're a machine, mm-hmm. right? And we all have it. It just varies for each of us. Um, you need to find that time. There's, there's apps out on the internet that you can download and, and actually find your peak performance time, which I, I didn't realize there were things like that. When I was in college, I did a peak learning exercise where I, they, they kind of probe your brain with questions and then help you determine a time where you're, you're best at learning. Hmm. And it, in, in some degree, I think it coincides with your, with your, uh, your peak performance time too, because yeah. you, you can probably get a lot more done. And I, I know just from that, that really, and this is the bad part, 2 to 3 p.m. is my peak hour, right? Which means 3 to 5 is generally good. And we'll say 1 to 3 is generally good, which 
you know, and I know you're thinking about this. That's when I need to be getting ready for work. Right. And I've written uh, a blog post on this where I talk about the big rusty lever. And we've talked about this on the show too, where it's like flipping a switch. It doesn't want to move. And it's sometimes it's really hard to get into those different modes. For me in particular, I think that's why it's so hard for me is because my peak, my peak hours are when I want to be creating. I've got to be getting ready for work. And it's, it's an internal fight to, to say, okay, God, I, I got to go to work. I can't, you know. Well, we're getting ready to spring forward. So then that's going to put you, it's actually, if your mind don't realize it, it's going to put you 12 to 1. That's going to give you a good. It, it give me a good jump. Yeah, yeah I, I understand that. But I think my rhythm is going to make it an hour late. Yeah. Which is going to make me, while I'm at work, I'll be like, I'd rather be doing something else, right. you know. And and the bad thing is I've already kicked that gear into place before I go to work because I'm working in the studio. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, when I get home, I'll just finish. And again, I come home, I'm, I'm exhausted. You know, my mind's already been spent. That's not a good time for me. So I, in the book, I talk about this a little bit too. You want to look at things in in terms of what requires less energy. What can you be doing to be efficient that doesn't require a lot of energy? Like in my case, painting requires a lot of energy. So it's a, a, a dead focus kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you just, and, and multitasking, let's just throw it out the door. Nobody can multitask. I don't care how good you think you are. It's you funny can't. you say that because I had that discussion with somebody uh, yesterday and I saw a, a thing, a, a guy on a talk show was promoting a book and I wanted to get it. I got to look it up and see who it was again. But they talked about studies they've shown and really multitasking is a myth. You can really only focus on on one to two things, three maybe, and give yeah. them decent attention. Yep. And even then, it's you're better off focusing on one thing and knocking it out, and then and then doing linearly. Right. Li- linearly. Lin. It should be lin- linear. Yes. Linearly. <laughs> lin. Well, I mean, think about that too. And this is mentioned in the book. It's, you know, what? How much energy are you wasting flipping the switch? Yeah so to speak, going from one task to another, when if you just stayed focused on the other one, you're better off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a thing called the Pomodoro technique. I don't know if you ever heard of it or not. but you I work. hate them dogs. A little happy. That's <laughs> Pomeranian. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Pomodoro technique is, and I could be wrong here, so if there's anybody listening Probably and just not. getting upset, uh, it's something like you work 25 minutes, like nonstop, like you're going to focus 25 minutes on this, and you take a five or 10 minute break and then you go right back into it again. You do this cycle in your process and you get really good at it. Hmm. Um, you know, like in the manufacturing environment, we've done a really good job over the years of saying, we know that you need a break here and here and here. Here's your lunch break. If we give you more than 30 minutes, you're probably not going to be any more efficient than if we give you 30. You know, how long does it take to eat and get back to work? You know, and if you give somebody an extra 30 minutes for their lunch, they're going to start waning. They're, the the right. second half of the day is not going to be good, right? So we go to 30-minute lunches on on manufacturing lines, and then we start measuring tack time and all these other things. I don't want to get into all that too much because we spend our entire week on that, but it, it really does maximize efficiency mm-hmm. for an eight-hour day because somewhere along the line, some goo-ball, goofer. Goofer. I, goofer. I like this. Goofer. You know, goofer. I'm, I'm having a hard time getting the words out today. But somebody along the line decided an eight-hour day, 40 hours a week is the optimum amount of efficient hours to make somebody um, make them rich, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, 
I'd like you to just go to six don't hour work weeks. Uh, Ari Mizell in this book, he, he thinks that you can really work one hour a day and be quite efficient. You know, uh, he even mentions his wife questioning him one day. He was like, are, are, are we okay? And he goes, what do you mean? And she was like, do we have enough money to pay our bills? Cause I never see you working. <laughs> and it's like, that's because he's developed this method that just allows him to work a little bit each day. And it, it kind of goes back, and he mentions this in the book too, but he goes goes back to Tim Ferriss talking about the 40-hour or the four-hour work week. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book or not, but uh, I think he took a lot from that book and learned how to outsource things that um, waste his time that he doesn't need to be directly in contact with, but he needs them done, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll have to check this out. Let me be very clear here, and I don't know if I read this in a book or read this online or how I felt about it, but um, let me just say that somewhere along the line, if you're a, a creative and you're listening to the show right now and you're thinking, I, I just don't have enough time, you know, I, I'm constantly working on trying to get time. I get angry. I get frustrated. I should be able to do this and that realize that you're probably also doing the grocery shopping. You're probably doing your laundry. You're probably cleaning your house. You're taking care of your kids. You're going to, going to work. You have a commute. You have a yard to take care of. Maybe you're shoveling snow like I am every time you turn around. And all these other things, while you're trying to, on the side, be an artist, you're killing it. You know, you're, you're maximizing efficiency mm-hmm. out of necessity, and you just don't have the opportunities that some people have been able to get because of one thing or another. And the goal here is to find your peak efficiency hours and maximize that. Now, hopefully, you're not at work when those hours are available to you, but learn how to just I keep saying learn like, like you need to figure it out, but you kind of do, you, you need to go ahead and start thinking, you know, limit your time. We talked about this in our um, episode where I talked about perfection a little bit, how, you know, your, your time is going to fill the space you gave yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, the Parkinson's law, right? Yeah. They've showed studies have shown if you give somebody six hours to do something, then they can do it in six hours. If you mm-hmm. give them eight hours to do the same tasks, it'd take them eight hours. To do right, it. right. So maybe work a little faster. And I've done this with some of my recent commissions. I've told myself, yeah, here's the deadline. I know that, but here's my internal deadline, my studio deadline. Customer deadline's here. The, the actual deadline for the studio is here. And it seemed unrealistic to me. I was like, there's no, there's no way I'm going to have this done by then. And then it became, when you're in the studio, you don't do anything but that, mm-hmm. you know, legitimately. When that door shuts, I don't want you digging in the drawers. I don't want you thinking about gear that you want to buy because, man, there's a lot of gear I want right now. There's GH6 just you came don't out. Say. There's all kinds of things. I am going to order some lenses tonight oh, before shocked. I go to bed. <laughs> but. But I think that's good. You know, I think if you have, uh, especially in um, um, in the visual arts medium, especially if you have a deadline that is realistic, and that's your customer deadline, and you set a deadline for yourself that's shorter than that, I think that's just good. I think that's just good. Uh, it's good business. It it's is also good. Good. Uh, I think that's good uh, tactics. Uh, uh, for creativity, yep. as long as it's not such a constraint that you're stifled by it, right? But, but I think that's a good. I think that's a good. It allows model. I feel like it allows for failure. Yeah, because if you have a studio deadline and a customer deadline, customer deadlines 
realistic. It's it's the one that you know you're going to meet, mm-hmm. right? The studio deadline is the one that pushes you hard. And if you don't get it, ask yourself at the end, why? Why didn't I yeah. why didn't I hit that deadline? Does it really take me longer than I thought it would? Did I did I do something unrealistic? Was I on Twitter in the studio? Yeah. You know, were there were there things that I did that got in the was way? Was there a fire? Was there a tree that fell in yeah. the driveway you had to take exactly. care of? Was there exactly. Something else? But yeah, I mean, I think a good good way to look at it is your customer deadline is your um is your bronze medal mm-hmm. and your your deadlines your your gold medal and mm-hmm. yet something in between you're hitting the silver. Right. I think that's a I think that's a totally realistic and um um worthwhile plan yep. to have. Yep. As I was looking at all the things I've been doing right and all the things I've been doing wrong as an artist, it really came to the head when I said why am I spending 35 hours in the studio each week and only producing this much work? Mm-hmm. And this is key. And I think he talks about this in the book as well, but write down what you do in a day, do an audit of your time. I know, I know this sounds really bad. And for some people it's like, I don't want to do that. That's just stupid. I can tell you what I do in a given day. No, you can't literally write right. down what you're doing so you can go back and then track it for a week. And if you realize, holy crap, this is, I'm wasting so much time. And and the real quick thing is, if you got an, I know you can do this on an iPhone. I don't know if you can do it on Android and not help me out with that. But you can go ahead and look at screen time and say, this was entertainment. This was social media. This was, you know, whatever else. <coughs> I think producti- productivity is one of them. But don't be confused by that either. I, I want to add to that when... On on the iOS system, when it says productivity, <laughs> it's probably not really good right. productivity. It's probably just you had, you know, pages open or you might have had numbers open or, or something like that. looking at a calculator. Exactly. That's not necessarily the best thing to right. do. Um, you know, find out, <coughs> excuse me on my, my, my cough. I'm still got a dry cough from, from everything, but, you know, you start looking for your efficiencies and I don't, I don't want to kill this and make it a dead horse type situation, but I only did it for two weeks and I've not been good at it and things have already gotten better, Hmm. like astronomically better. Really? Yeah. And one of the things I did, I don't know if this is in the book or not, or if I just made this up or if I got it for the internet, I, I, sorry, I don't remember work for 90 minutes, which I've, I've done a lot. I, I think the 90 minute block works best for me for my type of work. I don't celebrate until after. Let me let me make this clear. A lot of times I like to smoke a cigar because the weather's getting nice. You know, I might go out and just want to enjoy the sunshine or whatever. Weekends in particular because I don't have to go to work after. Before I do things that are fun for me, before things that feel like a reward to me, I'll get studio work done. Mm-hmm. I'll come in and I'll say, okay, my focus right now is 90 minutes of painting or two hours of painting, Right. Two hours is probably a little bit better because I got to set up. I don't want to get into details, but (laughs) (laughs) you kind of get in there and you say, okay, it's going to be nice today. I want to smoke a cigar outside and just relax. Old me would have said, go smoke a cigar and then go paint. That way you're nice and relaxed when you paint. That's not real efficient No, because I never really have a good starting time. I never really get into it. And it gets a little easy to do something else, you know? I get sidetracked, but by forcing myself to get in the studio and work, 
it's almost a reason to hurry up. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to spend two hours or 90 minutes doing it. I have found I actually get done in 60. It's like, oh, wow, I got a lot done in an hour. Really? I still got to work another half hour before I can go smoke? Okay. <laughs> so then I, well, I just you're, start you're working. training yourself like a lab rat that knows yeah, exactly. if, it puts a, if it puts a peanut through a hoop, then it gets mm-hmm. a little piece of mm-hmm. cheese or peanut butter or whatever. Right, I mean, right. And I, some of you listening may be able to, you know, not trick your brain that way and say, this is just trickery. I'm not doing that. But I've found that I am much better if I give myself a reward at the end of work. Mm-hmm. It's changed my whole thing. You've, you've seen my schedule. You know how it is ridiculous. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's very, you know, why are you scheduling your, your bathroom breaks and yeah. your, you know, at home, right? right? By doing this, I'm actually down to three hours a day. It's ridiculous. I feel like I got all kinds of time in the world and I'm getting things done. I want to get it down to two hours a day to where I'm still producing the work. Going back to perfectionism, I need to realize that good enough is good enough and stop. You know, if, if it only takes me 90 minutes to get that painting session done, stop. That extra half an hour isn't doing anything extra for the painting. It's right. just taking up more time. Go do the things you like to do. Go throw a load of laundry in. You know, be you more like efficient. No, I'm just saying, oh. you know, get things done because I still have to do that. I want to hire somebody to do it, but the wife is really irritating on that. Um, she just really doesn't want somebody coming in here to work. She not want no one touching her underwear. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It, it really is. <laughs> I don't know. I've been doing a lot of talking for 40 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. What, what are your thoughts on these, these efficiencies? I mean, am I, Am I thinking outside the box too far? I mean, does this no, really work No, I think you make creatives? a good point, especially considering, I mean, your previous schedule was ridiculous. And I mean, I, yeah, we, you have to, well, they, uh, uh, I've said this a hundred times, I'll say it again. It's, uh, you know, a, um, a, a goal without a plan is a wish. Right. And I get that. And, and that's true. But for me, I can't, I cannot plan to be creative. I can plan to set the stage to be creative and I can take time out and sometimes it'll work. And there is a difference between going in and recording some songs that you got, that you got, uh, already kind of worked out and then going to the studio with some people and just seeing what you can come up with. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's great, but every now and then you fall flat on your face too. Um, I, I think that sometimes it's, it's just, it's too hard to, to sit down and be like, all right, well, I'm going to get this amount of work done between this and this and this. We're not, we're not nailing boards to a, to a trust. Why did the lights go out? Oh, but, uh, remote, (laughs) we, you know, we're not, that's not, we're not pouring concrete here. It's, it's, there's vibe in it. And there's, you know, at the external affects your internal. So I think it's good. I think, think that your new plan now, is better and could be more conducive to that happening as mm-hmm. opposed to all this. Oh, okay. I got to do this and this and this, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to piss from one Oh five until, <laughs> till, uh, uh, one Oh seven. Don't and, get me wrong. I still have the morning routine that includes the piss and the, the shit and the shave and all that, that right. stuff. You know, I, I still, I still have a dedicated time frame for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> No, but there's not necessarily any, anything right with it either. So, 
Well, it just I'm not going to lie. At 4.15, it's going to be time to do something. <laughs> it's If you can train yourself and your mind and your body to work on that kind of a, of a schedule and be on that kind of clock, I think that's great. But I mm-hmm. think that's unrealistic for a lot of us. I think that. Yeah, that you I have fail. To, more, I fail more than I succeed. There has to be some ambiguity there for and some room for improv because you don't know what what is going to happen. You know, you don't know if you're going to be productive, but you can set the stage and make the likelihood of yeah. production yeah. there. Well, let's you, break this down into necessity. We all have 24 hours, right? No matter how you want to look at it, it's 24 hours. That's how we regulate time. That's how we measure time. That's how we focus on the the day changes mm-hmm. you know the, <laughs> i don't want to get into semantics here but you know we're we're all part of the same scale of time mm-hmm. uh your, your place in the world dictates you know when that time is i get that but <clears throat> you still have certain number of hours of daylight certain number of hours of of darkness well yeah from the beginning of the time you have so many hours to hunt and yeah, to, yeah, to exactly, prepare for the exactly. night and then you have so many hours to rest and yeah exactly and do it all over again so if you have a full-time job and you're working something else those extra hours to grocery shop take care of household chores you, you got to have rest and relaxation i don't care what anybody says there's, there's got to be time in there for that okay. you know one of the things about the, the i want to sidetrack this for a second one of the things about the hustle culture that I think is toxic is trying to explain to people that Netflix or TV time is terrible. And some of us recharge on that downtime. Yeah. I enjoy personally, I enjoy watching movies and TV that excite me on a creative level. I may not necessarily, I, I hate, let me say it this way. I hate broadcast television. I hate it because the commercials get in the way of the flow state. When it comes to watching a program of, of any kind, I don't care what it is. You know, you, you let me watch a movie on Netflix with no interruptions versus a movie on FX that has an interruption every five fucking minutes. And I, I lose my shit. I'm like, I'm ready to throw the TV out the window. Right. Yeah. But were you always like this? You think, I think I find it. Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I do. I think I've before, always hated commercials. I don't, I don't want to buy your stupid mop. Right. <laughs> yeah, but we're a little bit older, and I think that I catch myself like if a commercial comes on, I can't. I don't want to focus on that. So now I'm flipping through Facebook. And exactly, and you're I'm, multitasking. It becomes you get out of the moment. But I didn't do that before there was internet on my phone, and I didn't do that before there was an option to binge watch things. What and did to look you do? Well, you 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 had your you, cereal bowl. You, you watched the commercial, or you pissed. You know, a lot of times you just wait to have be your bathroom break. Or yeah, go up we, and get didn't another have, pop. we didn't have DVRs on that stuff. Right. We couldn't pause it. Yeah, I get that. I think that we're just so used to having <laughs> everything right now on demand. It's it's caused the it's gold, caused everybody yeah. to get ADD a little bit. Yeah, the goldfish ADHD. theory. Yeah, yeah. I also think that, and you're right. There's nothing wrong with some TV time, some book time, yep. some some you know just sitting there quietly Hobby listening time. to music, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time. It's real easy to, okay, I'm going to watch a show on Netflix, and you get real into it when I go watch the next episode. Next thing you know, you've blew through five hours when you could have been doing something creative or meaningful. Yeah, so you, I, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a trade-off there. I will say, there, there is. I mean, it's like, how, how much is too much? You know, I, I enjoy, on the weekends, I, 
I typically used to schedule a two to three hour break of dinner and movie mm-hmm. for my wife and I, because we just enjoy watching a movie together and, and that kind of thing. Now it's, I'm not going to kid you. I still want to stick to that, that hardened rule of I've got to get studio time done in three hours, just regardless. So if I like, like what we're doing right now is my studio time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some, some pre-show crap that had to be dealt with you know, setting up the mics and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll do the show and then I'll have some tear down stuff. I'm done for the day. I didn't used to be that way. Right. It used to be, well, now I need to do this. Now I need to do that. I probably ought to start editing, you know, and the, the edits, I wasn't as efficient with the edits right after the show as I would like to say that I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably going to be better off on the edits. That hour after work that I'm talking about that maybe that little sliver of time when I get home at 1230 AM, that's, that's the time when I'm too tired to paint, but I'm not necessarily too tired to edit. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a low task, low energy task type thing. So all my admin work. It's something that's got to get done. It's something that's got to get done. And it makes me feel good because at the end of it, it's, wow, I've got in a week, in a week's time, Monday through Friday, I've got five hours of, low level energy tasks completed that I didn't have to blow two days on mm-hmm. during the day, during my peak time when I'm really good at something else. And this, this is kind of my argument with folks who say they don't have enough time. You're, you're, you might be thinking of the, the hustle culture too much thinking you need to do all this extra hours because, you know, Gary V told you you had to do, you know, whatever. And you know, he's a machine. You're not going to keep up with him. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says. He, the, the dude, if he's not on amphetamines, I would be really surprised. But speaking of him. Yeah. He, I know that you're a fan. And so I'm yeah, glad yeah, you brought I do that like up. him. Uh, he's on a, uh, one of the newer episodes of uh, Hot Ones. I haven't watched it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. Really? Yeah. You know that. how much I love that show. Yeah. Chris Evans' questions are great. So yeah. it should be pretty good. That would be good. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me say for anybody who's listening. I'm not I'm not hammering the the hustle culture that Gary V talks about because he outsources a lot of stuff too. He's not going to get all the stuff done that he does in a day without having that. And I also know that he shuts down on the weekends. Family time is important for him on the weekends. You know, it it's there there is a break. Uh-huh. It's not hustle 24/7. It's hustle when he's at work. And, but, that's, and that's what the, it should be. The, when you're exactly. working that's what that's what you're focused on, that's what you're doing and when yeah. you're playing that needs to be yeah. And when you learn to play with that kind of uh, balance in your life, I think you can probably get a lot more done and people think you work all the time. I don't know. I would, I, for me, some of the things I'd like to have as a, as a creative, which is going to cost money, I know this, which may provide me more time to make art that makes more money, is the fact that, you know, a social media person would be fantastic. You know, right. somebody that comes in and just, uh, handles my, my social media. What's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the present. Yeah. But the, 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 just putting stuff out there. Content, content, content creation. Yes. I'm going to have to take more pictures. Yes. I have to put some stuff out there and, and just, you know, get it ready to go and, and put things out so that people can, artists, can do we it. said this like on one of the last two podcasts, artists aren't supposed to be businessmen. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them are very good at it and that's great, but, Artists are good at creating, and that's why, it, I mean, yep. if artists could do it all themselves, then there wouldn't be business managers and, yep. and uh, creative managers and uh, 
so on and so forth. So, this is award-winning beer, by the way. Oh, it's so disgusting. It's so good. I'm feeling it. It's so <laughs> terrible. Have we hit last call? I think we've hit last call. Rapid fire. I know. I have so no. So I have so no so questions. <laughs> what? What? Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Go what? Are, what are you doing? We've We've actually hit the. I got to set this up properly. I'm not doing it right. We've hit the uh, the part of the show where I ask rapid fire questions. And I didn't plan on it, but Paul said rapid fire, so I have to do it now. It is last call. So if you're listening to the show, grab that last drink and uh, join us. And pour this uh, hop juju down the drain. Yeah, if you if you've got if you got (laughs) not down the drain, if you got hop juju, grab you a little extra one, like I'm doing. Fill your glass and uh, be ready for Paul's answers. I'm going to try to. If if Paul has a question for me too, I'll be glad to answer it. Hopefully he does because I've got nothing for him really, musically speaking. Because mm-hmm. you're you're the musician in the room, I just hit drums. What what specifically have you noticed over the years? And you may not be in the whole realm of uh, an efficiency hour for your creative process on music, but have you noticed a pattern where you're just really like a certain time of day oh, yeah. that you're really kind of focused on music. What's what's the best time for you? Oh, you it's think? between mm, between eight and ten. I think is really the yeah. the sweet spot. Nine nine o'clock. Yeah, eight, eight to nine, eight to ten. That's really the good spot. And then if I'm so, your new schedule is actually better for oh, you. Oh yeah, I've already just. I mean, I've already been more creative this last week than what I have in a month prior you know working on some lyrics working on the new project that uh mm-hmm. that uh i'm some guys i might be playing with up in columbus just as a vocalist and it was just so nice to be able to after work you know i've, I've taken a shower i'm gonna try to get back in the habit of working out directly after work take a shower get something to eat and then i got my time and that's when i'm that's when i feel that's when i've always created so yeah. the the problem is is in the past when i've had typical day shift hours is if I hit, if I, if I, if I'm hitting and all things are going, my creativity is really going, I can't stop. And then it's, you know, 1230, two o'clock in the morning yeah. and I've been in the studio recording stuff and now I'm going to be dead the next day, but it's been worth it. I mean, yeah, I've written yeah, a lot yeah, of songs yeah. like that when yeah. it's, when the train's rolling, you can't stop, but you can make that what with a, with a, if your day job is nine to five or, or whatever. You can make that decision if your day job is is uh, three to to midnight. <laughs> right, you have to. You got a hard stop yep. there, and you yep. know that. And I think that holds you back too when you know because you know. Okay, if I get this roller coaster really going, yeah, I just got to stop and I got to go. Well, see, this don't you can you know you can sacrifice your sleep if you got to or yeah. There's the point of no return kind of moves yep. lines, yep. but it's definitely that it's definitely that evening that. Uh, and and I find that myself, that's also my favorite time to ride my bike. And a lot of times if I'm in the studio and it's not going well, I'm like, man, I wish I was, weather's nice. I should be out, you know, on the Harley. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm out on the bike, it's like, I just, I should be in the studio. And right. I have a lot of, I have, that gives me trouble. But like I said, I've got, I've had a lot of things I want to go, want to get done. And I've gotten a lot more done um, over the past six months. So now I'm not. I'm not feeling like I've wasted as much time. I don't really have anything to write for right now. So, mm-hmm. so it's just good. Now it's just create and just see what yep. might happen. So, 
some things come up when you were talking about that in my mind. I was thinking, you know, for some of us, the the evening shift and the night shift, it, it's just such a a different time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that my night shift my night shift friends I talk to they have a really weird kind of a pattern about life. You know, we have to understand that most people are on the uh, the day shift, the day, I call it the day walker um, schedule, mm-hmm. and it makes sense to go to work, come home, and now you've got your free time to do what you want. You go to bed and you start the day over again the next day. It's pretty cut and dry. For people who work evening shift, it's all that stuff that people do that work days, they have to do it when they get up and start right away mm-hmm. and get it done before they go to work. Mm-hmm. So there's a almost an anxiety. Oh, yeah. Of just getting stuff done. Uh, and I then hate, you're doing stuff after work too, though, a little bit. Right. So it's usually a little bit, it's yeah. things are broken up. I mean, like and, I said, and you, you can't can shop. You yeah. can't, you know, it's used, you used to, to be. be able to. Yeah. <laughs> the, the pandemic really killed the whole shopping after midnight thing. Um, the night shift people have it a little different. They can shop during day, day hours. I mean, it, it's just everything. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a, a tough, tough thing to really think about, but it really does revolve around if you work a full-time job and you are creative, you know, how does, how does your full-time job affect your creativity? You know, what does it get in the way and that kind of thing? So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, my next question, I guess, rapid fire, trying to keep it kind of, kind of clear. What, what did you think of this Woodford reserve? I thought it was good. It was really, it was good. It was, uh, Pretty strong. It is strong. 45.2% alcohol by volume is pretty, pretty hefty. Mm-hmm. You know. Quite um, the burn. Yeah. 80 proof. Uh, this is 90.4 proof. 80 proof is kind of your typical um, whiskey level for what you would find in a bar for mixed drinks and things like that. I, I find things like this become really difficult to make mixed drinks with because it becomes a little bit booze heavy and you got to kind of plan for that. Mm. Um, I don't think that's designed to be mixed in. It is not. So what I was getting ready to say was typically when I find um, alcohol like this, I typically like to put it in something else. I like to try to, you know, think, okay, this is, if I want just a bourbon to drink, I'm going to drink this, right? Right. If I want a bourbon to mix with um, some sort of cocktail or something, I might go with an 80 proof, you know, mid-level $20, $40, between the $20 and $40 range of something that um, goes well with whatever drink I'm making, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that, that's kind of cool there. Um, don't really know where I was going to go with this because I like talking about alcohol, and this is not really an alcohol show. But uh, this, I found this to be quite good. Um, I like Woodford Reserve. It's, it's a Fantastic. I've bourbon. never had regular Woodford. So. Um, they've got a really. I've been to their place. Have you? I'm saying. They've got a really interesting process. They still use copper stills, um, which is a little bit oddball. I mean, the, the, they're the teardrop style, mm-hmm. like what you would have in like a lot of Irish whiskeys still do that. Um, but I, I find, I find Woodford quite tasty. I've got, I just picked up another bottle of of bullet bullet is probably my, my go-to bourbon mm-hmm. for 
80% of my needs. Um, if you need bourbon, then I think we should have a talk <laughs> off there. Right. I, I just, I'm, I'm funny like that. Uh, wild Turkey is, is my, um, 80 proof. I'm, I'm going to say wild Turkey, 80 proof is my it typical hits, it bourbon. It hits me in the mouth a little too much. It's a little bit harsh for me. Are you sure it wasn't the 101? Because a lot of people buy the one, the wild turkey 101, or the even the rare brew. This I will say this: Woodford Reserve double oaked. I'm gonna piss some people off probably, but it 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 reminds me a lot of uh, wild turkey rare breed. Mm-hmm. You know that that particular bottle. Um, I think I had ten year when I was at when I was at Wild Turkey, and I thought, man, this is like it's just hit me a little bit too strong to. Really, really enjoy like a. You didn't get a lot of sweetness out of it. Not that I remember. I just remember it was a little bit. It was a little bit hard to to get down. It was a beautiful place though. Mm-hmm. But I just, yeah, I just remember it was a little bit hard. The thing with bourbon, um, a lot of the, like the weather in Kentucky, um, makes the seasons kind of ideal for whiskey. Mm-hmm they don't have to be real old in, in terms of being in the barrel. They don't have to mature very long before they get a lot of the sugars out of the barrel, out of the barrel itself. And they, they tend to have a, a nice flavor. Whereas like a scotch or an Irish whiskey, uh, the weather doesn't fluctuate so much. So the contraction and expansion of the barrel doesn't do a lot for the whiskey like it does in Kentucky. No, I gotcha. So, um, you can have like a four-year-old bourbon that tastes like a twelve-year-old. I don't want to say tastes like has has the complexity of a twelve-year-old mm-hmm. scotch, you know. And and for me, twelve-year-old scotch is pretty much the minimum. You know, I, I was at the liquor store yesterday, and I swear I saw one that said five-year-olds, five-year-old or aged five years, and it was. I don't remember the words exactly, but it was. It translated to me as I was reading it, like harsh like they, they tried to like the they uh, one where they harsh. they put them on a ship a buddy of mine did a tiktok on it the other day and and really? somebody talked about it really like they all, age it on a ship they age it on a ship and the the barrels who does this i figured you'd know but no, I could, i've never heard of it it's uh it's supposedly really good like my dude he was like raving about how good well, i mean it was. They, they rotate the barrels right so like over time each each barrel gets rotated a little bit so they don't sit on the same side of the barrel yeah, right. well, this is on a ship sloshing around. Yeah, so sloshing around. That's yeah. that's what makes me think it might be kind of interesting. I wonder if they still rotate them. I don't know. Um, and, and the barrel type matters too. Like for bourbon to be considered true bourbon, and I'm I'm a snob on this. True bourbon is made in Kentucky using um, virgin American oak barrels that are charred, and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon. It says aged at sea. Jefferson's? That's Jefferson's Oceans. Really? Yeah, I'd like to try it. I'm I honest. do. I want to try that. Jefferson makes them. I mean, they make good. Oh, they make others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, our local liquor, liquor store has it. Um, not that particular. I've never seen that one in there. Ocean but, aged at sea. Yep. Um, that's the thing, too. The maturing, the maturing process could happen anywhere, I guess. You know, but. I tend to find that, uh, and you've been down to the Kentucky bourbon 
area, the trail, so to speak, uh, you can smell it. You see the the rock houses. Oh yeah, and it's like wow, there's wow, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> it's in the air. The trees even tend to have a uh, absorption of what's in the air, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you got and all, all that, that urban algae. Yeah, on the on the the, the houses. What do they call them? Steel houses or the barrel houses? Or yeah, whatever. the rack houses and stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. It really is. But you can smell it before you even get two miles from one of the. There's just a that faint, yeah, stale. Have liquor. you have you determined your favorite whiskey yet? Do Do you have a favorite? Well, yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah, screwball peanut butter whiskey is my favorite whiskey. I'm laughing a little bit. Hey, there. it's good. <laughs> That's the thing. But if we're talking straight, it's funny that you say that because before I asked the question, I was thinking to myself, he's going to pick the peanut butter one. I it's great. It it's fan fucking tastic, man. What? It, what exactly is it? It's a peanut butter infused whiskey. Whether that I, I know, but I, don't I haven't brought any of that in. You have, but I, I'm trying to think. Did of, I? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the whiskey was. What? What exactly is the base whiskey? I don't know. I don't, I just drink it and it's real uh-huh. good. And there's, I need to make, I'm going to bring a blender in and we'll do a, I'll make that peanut butter, that peanut oh, butter yeah, banana yeah, thing. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't been here since I bought the St. Raimi. Uh, I've seen it. Check out the bottle up there. Yeah. It's got, know, I noticed it earlier. It's got your name on I know, it. It's, it's all cool. off you. Grab it. Take a look at it. It's, but if uh, it's, uh, it's good stuff. You would probably like that. It's, it's aged in, uh, sherry casks and, uh, it's a brandy. Cool. It's it's good stuff. It's really no cheap. Way. It really it's Just like me. I, yeah, I want to say I probably only paid ten bucks for that bottle. So it's it's not even it, it's not expensive at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, efficiency for artists. I guess we should probably stick to the the main subject. Um, again, we're drinking. We're having a good time talking about different things, and I just really want somebody listening at home to think. Um, you know, you're, you're not failing. If you don't, if say you're not producing what you think you need to f- produce, right. Um, you're, you're probably, especially if you've got a job, right. Mm-hmm. If you got something else you're doing and it's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm not putting 40 hours a week into my studio time. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're not a full-time artist. You know, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that you can make a full-time wage as a part-time artist. I, right. I really believe that. Um, I don't want to go down a different tangent. That's a whole nother show. We could go on about it for hours, but you know, I get pissed off about the whole tax rate thing and the cost of, um, healthcare and, mm-hmm. and just the, the nonsense. But, you know, if you're making you know, a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars there. And, uh, maybe you're making a couple thousand dollars overall. And, uh, maybe, maybe even getting up between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. You're doing okay. Mm-hmm. When you're part-time, you're doing just fantastic. I know a lot of full-time artists who struggle with paying their bills. Right. Um, so if you're able to, to maximize your efficiency and, and, and all that. And that's great. Um, for the last question in this so-called rapid fire thing we got going on. Glenn Fittick is my favorite. Straight. <laughs> Glenn Fittick. Yeah. 
Okay, that that surprised me a little. <laughs> but that's not the question. Um, do you think, and I want to be harsh on this, and I'm going to follow up with it. I, I think it's okay to offend people. It's okay to make people feel like they're not going to be able to achieve it. But do you think it's possible for a part-time artist to create a full-time income if they maximize their efficiencies in 20 hours a week. Well, of course. Or but, less. But, but nobody's a part-time artist. They're just an artist that is doing something else. That's like, I like the analogy of, you know, Batman puts on the suit and becomes Batman. But Superman is Superman all the time when he, he puts on the Clark Kent costume to go to work. But he's still Superman. Yeah, he's Superman all the time. That's one of the Tarantino movies that probably, and it's it's so true. I love your answer, by the way. He's, he's Superman all the time, man. You're there is no part time artist. You're an artist all the time, even when you're at work and yeah. you hear. Do you suppress it? You suppress your artist. Do you mentality when you're at work? Sometimes, or you find ways to be creative and get in trouble anyway. But, yeah, you know, but yeah, but you're always fuck your wig. Get that thing off. You're, look, you're always. Any artist is, is hearing a, uh, uh, if you're in traffic and you hear a turn signal click and oh, yeah. there's a rhythm or, yeah. or you see something that happens <laughs> and there's an angle and it's like, oh, look at that. That'd be, now that's cool. Yeah. What, what can we do with that? How is that inspiring me? Industrial architecture is fucking beautiful a lot yeah, of times. It is. It's just, I think that's one thing that we got that civilians don't is we see that. We see the, the, the beauty of it. I mean, Joe Blow sees a flower and, and notices that it's pretty and it sticks out, but, but we see the texture in that flower and we see how the light hits that flower and, and the flower gives us a, a visceral feeling inside us that there's something that you could actually, if, if you had ways to measure it, you could see how it's inspiring you in one way or the other. Um, we forget sometimes people don't get that. They just, you know, you do a painting and someone looks at it and it's like, oh, that's great. That's cool. I like it. But for the rest of us, we, we see things and we see the hidden, hidden stuff that we didn't see the first time or, or the, the third guitar part mm-hmm. after you've listened to a song 15 times. It's like, oh, I never noticed that. That's that whole chord progression is what's making that sad. And I never noticed it. It's, we're always artists. We're artists all the time. and. I would say in a lot of ways we're more we're more artists when we're not actually doing art than when we are when we're doing art. <laughs> right. But that's just my opinion. I mean, I, what do I know? I'm just God, a I had Southern so much, high guy. No, I got so much out of that. There's there's a whole bunch there. Um it's it's <laughs> uh Paul's picking up my mule near that's on my Force uh, hammer for those that yeah, don't know what a mule near. I've got a mule near on my humidor. And I joked with my son. I told him because he, he often pops in in the evening time when I work and uh, comes to visit his mother and, and all that. But I, he come into the studio one day and I said, hey, uh, if the Thor's hammer's on there, you realize you're not worthy to get in my, my humidor. So don't take any of my cigars. Mm. Right. And I said, if, the, if it's off, you can have one. That's the rule. How often is it off? <laughs> Never. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe I'll hook him up here. I know, right? um, but it's it's just funny. But uh, yeah, I just I feel like as as creatives in general, and I'm I'm I don't want to I don't want to segregate anybody in this. I want to say you know if you paint, if you make music, uh, you write, you dance, you just whatever it is you do creatively. You know, if you're not doing it full time and it's not your main source of income and you're not, you know, it's not your creative um, career, there's, I don't, I don't believe that that separates you from being a professional. I don't think that separates you from being worthy of being a creative at all. Uh, Some creatives, unfortunately, their ego got the best of them and they seem to think that if you're not full time making your, entire living from it that you're you know subhuman or whatever but um even if let me say it this way if if i were to quit my job my regular job that pays for health care and all the reasons why i work a regular job if i were to step away from that i would still want to be able to do creatively what I do in 20 hours a week and make a full-time income from it. I would want to be able to pay all my bills working 20 hours a week as a, as a, as an artist. Personally, I feel like that is success. Mm-hmm. You know, why do I, why do I feel like, you know, why do, why does society feel like 40 hours is justification for being professional? Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, <laughs> I, I honestly think that you should be able to, uh, let me say it, let me rephrase that carefully. I believe that it would be better as a creative to have a life built around the fact that you make art and it pays your bills, but it doesn't get in the way of life. You know, exactly. you, you want to take out bike ride? Go take the bike ride. You want to take a vacation? Go take the vacation. Your career, no matter what it is, really shouldn't get in the way of life. Even if you're an artist. It's like you said, we don't turn it off. If you're a creative, you're a creative 24-7. Mm-hmm. I know somebody listening is thinking in their mind, yeah, when I was on vacation, I was the most creative person I've ever been. Yeah, because the job didn't get in the way. Right. You know, the other shit didn't get in the way. The laundry, the mowing of the grass, the, you know, cleaning the living room or washing the dishes, all these things, they went away. And you were able to actually focus on being a creative. Harness that that emotion, harness that energy, and learn to find it two hours a day, maybe even an hour a day. I don't, depending on your style of art, find a way to really be efficient. And, and I'm going to say it again about this book. If you haven't, if you haven't read the book, um, I highly recommend it. Get out there and look for the art of doing, uh, the art of less doing. I think I said that wrong the first time. The art of less doing one entrepreneur's formula for a beautiful life by Ari Mizell. It's spelled A R I. His last name is spelled M-E-I-S-E-L. Uh, it's a fantastic book, and there are a lot of other books that you can dig into on this 
particular subject, uh, I would also recommend the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Uh, that's one that I've listened to, uh, as an audiobook and read a couple of times. It reminds me that I don't need to do everything. I can outsource some things and, um, I really need to start taking the advice of the books and focusing my life on creating a, a more efficient way of doing things and making it so that I can uh, focus on the art and be efficient with the art and uh, still have my full-time job. I personally, I, I don't think there's a problem with having both. So, yeah. you know, I think it's better sometimes it is. We've, we've kind of run over a little bit Have and uh, beard's coming in goes again. It, it's a little thick. I got to cut it. I mean, it's weed whacker at uh, level at this point. You're achieving the proper level of crazy looking. I know. That you want, so I'm a mountain man. <laughs> Paul's good to have you in here. It's good to be back, man. It's uh, It's been a long time waiting. We still have one in the can that I may put out there. I don't know. I keep saying I'm going to edit it. Um, thanks to everybody who stuck around and, you know, I've gotten a lot of emails like, hey, what happened to the podcast? I've been waiting for es- well, episodes. Leave and- them wanting more instead of uh, yeah, wanting less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, uh, I needed some time. I did. I was uh, struggling as a person. The the sickness got me pretty hard. Down with um, the sickness. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, 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 no. The weather, I hate this time of year. For me, it's just terrible. I hate it. I, I like sunshine. I like being able to enjoy myself outside and just, just I, I would take a 90 degree humid day over a cold day any day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Paul, you got anything to add? I think that uh, you've said everything there is to say. I've talked a lot. You have, but I mean, it's been good. All right. If uh, you enjoyed the show, uh, let us know. Send us an email. Pop on uh, Twitter. I, I did get a, a a little ding there I bet uh, let me check this Paul what because we, we may have something going on here Let's look. Um, we do my friend Scott says uh, he says he's a little late to the party glad you're back at it with the podcast um, talks a little bit about burnout um, I think we've answered his question actually as I'm I'm scanning over his questions sweet uh, so yeah Scott thanks for the Thanks for the chime in. You are a little, <laughs> little late to the the party, but that's okay. I don't mind that. Uh, you are on the West Coast, so you're about three hours behind us. So we should, you know, if we just do these live, that would cut down exactly. On the editing. It, it would absolutely. We could have just thrown it in there. So, Scott, I do appreciate you, and uh, if you're listening, cheers to you. And Paul, I will see you in the next one.